Welcome everybody to the Bill House Podcast. The Bill House Podcast. The Bill House Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva, alongside the beautiful Ali Nicole Villanueva. What's up, babes? Hello. Let's get the show started. So uh, what are we talking about today? I know you told me that you wanted me to tell some crazy stories, but I don't want to tell too many crazy stories. Why People not, think man? I'm crazy. <laughs> you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I got a bit. I got a business to run. They can't be hearing all my secrets. Ah, uh, you tell me you don't tell the stories to all your patrons. Are you no, no, no. <laughs> um, I know your business is cars, man. But don't you do something specific with the cars? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I take I take stock cars and turn them into whatever you want. So, I mean, we. Anything from basic bolt-ons onto straight performance cars, uh, track cars. If you want to take them out to the track, I've done drift cars. I keep my clientele just uh, very, just varied. Like uh, I got a, a good bit of, of different type of clientele. I got off-road clientele, uh, half-mile racers, quarter-mile, eighth-mile, uh, all walks of life. <laughs> everybody's got a story but i will say i will say uh my shop it always turns into some type of therapy every one of my customers it ends up being a hey we're dropping a car off and then turns into just talking about life type deal so it's, that's pretty cool i like that i enjoy that oh yeah you get to know all, all the people that uh, drop off their cars yeah yeah on a on a personal level i mean because obviously being retired i'm kind of at my own pace kind of do whatever i want make my own schedule so i mean i have time to to chat and get to know them as people instead of just you know somebody bringing me a bag of money because this shit's expensive <laughs> and i, I want to know you know i want them to get their money's worth on everything so you know just understanding who they are as a person and their goals and everything that's big for me yeah, I mean, when we were in BMT, man, that's like one of the things I liked about uh, pushing flights. It's it's weird because not a lot of people, I think a lot of instructors admit it or won't admit to it, but I think they liked it. It was like getting to know some of the, the trainees, man, and all like the places that they came from and their fucking crazy ass stories that they had. Yeah, um, and some of them complete fucking bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny when the other trainees, you know, you're doing your little airman's time and you're talking and, and, uh, I had this one cat talking about, uh, you know, cause everybody knew my car and instructors would tell other, you know, they would tell my flight, Hey, at airman's time. Hey, Sergeant Kenning, uh, Sergeant blah, blah, blah told me to ask about your Corvette, you know? So then I start talking about it, you know? Uh, and then he, uh, a trainee would step in and try to one up me with some bullshit story. One guy said his dad had like a BMW went like 300 mile per hour or some shit in the whole flight. I watched the whole flight just, their mood on him was like, oh, this dude just outed himself from the flight. <laughs> he was from just then the, on, the like, he was like the storyteller. Oh, he's got Lamborghinis and stuff. I mean, yeah, you probably, I, I guarantee there's trainees with parents that have some sweet cars, but when he started exaggerating, it was like, all right, man, we're done. You're cut off. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then uh, the next morning, sorry, can you give me your hat? Oh, shit. <laughs> did you ever get your hat taken away i got it taken once oh shit i got it taken once it was a female flight uh nobody ever wanted to push female flights i liked pushing the female flights but i had a i had a female uh 
one of the trainees, she, she basically lied. Uh, I forget what it was. It was something, it was like dropping, I forget what it was, dropping F-bombs, being like overly mean or something. But by that point, I already had the loyalty of the flight. We were further into into the week. So, I mean, all that stuff was kind of done. You know how it goes. You know, yeah. you're hardcore in the beginning and then kind of let off. I always let off after Beast Week. That's when I let off. Uh, Damn, but that's, that's far it, in the game. Yeah, it came back unsubstantiated. It came back unsubstantiated. And uh, whenever I got to this base, bro, I did not get I did not get a deck because of that critique. And I had a, an LT. This gets into the politics of the military, you know. Yeah. I had an LT that was getting out, and she called me and said, uh, you know, uh, what they did holding your, your deck up because of that, all that is unsubstantiated. And she sent me the full report and everything, and it was kicked out. And I remember that specifically specifically because I had my hat back like within a day or something. So it was like a day or two, but that I lost my deck because of that. Uh, it cost me points on promotion, stuff like that, man. So it just puts a bad taste. It was, it was my favorite job that I ever had Yeah, in the military, but it was also things, you know, what came with the job you, you did it. So you understand, but I mean, it really was a dog eat dog world. And, but I will say, I felt like MTI Corps was more of a family than what we talk about in my career field, ammo, you know, family. Uh, I mean, it depends on what base, but I really felt closer to the core uh, for those four years than I, than I ever felt uh, in, in ammo. I always kind of just felt like it was a job, you know, for me, but yeah. and the other stuff I've done in the military, all the other, I mean, I've done so many different things and I still feel like, the MTI core uh, that was the I always tell everybody that was my favorite job ever yeah it, I mean it was definitely my favorite job uh as far as like the closeness and family stuff like I only felt that sure. with uh with a few people like out at peace like with uh, you and some of the other guys that we were we were there with yeah um, Beast was a good core yeah uh at the we three at the 326 I was there for like a year and a half before I went out to Beast, and there was only like a few people there that I really connected with. Everybody else is like you said, man. It was a dog eat dog world, and it was it was yeah. tough to get through. But yeah, for sure, it was my favorite job in the Air Force too, man. Because yeah, it was just a lot of job satisfaction. Like when you didn't have to deal with all the other bullshit, um, mm -hmm. it was great. When it was just you and the flight, you're pushing, you're training. Uh, like life was perfect. It was all the other bullshit that you had to deal with that made it hell. No, it it really was. Uh, I mean, and towards the end, uh, I feel like we got the because I got there in 2012. Uh, what year did you get there? 2012, like in yeah. May. So we we were there, and like we we got the mix of the old school with the new school. Yeah, and and we had to adapt, and and I didn't adapt that fast because I I felt like the old school was the way to go. I I I really pushed away the the two person uh, two MTI stuff yes. uh, tap outs. I didn't like it. I hated it. I know you were the same, and and most of the people that I talked to, you know, they gave us the title of the old hats, and we wore the old hats. I mean, yeah. it, it really it really whenever I get, let, let's put it this way. When I went to my last uh, squadron and I get pulled in by the commander and he tells me, Hey, sorry, can you scare me? And I say, why? And he says, because uh, you're not willing to change. And I said, well, I got a year left. I'm really not going to change. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like he really took that bro. And he took that to heart. And, and that dude held up. He was the one, the deciding factor. And when I left, he was acting like he was all for me. And then I found out through that LT, 
she was like, fuck it. I'm getting out. I'm going to tell you everything, bro. She's like, he's the one who held it up. So that, that motherfucker lying in my face, bro. Damn. And that's just where the military just gets me. We talk about the mental health. We talk about taking care of each other and stuff like that. But there's commander influence and there's things like that, which is supposed to be illegal, but it happens. And I know not every job is, is, uh, is going to be perfect, but there's a lot of flaws in our core, man. There really is. Uh, and I think they're going the wrong direction. We need to get back to call the motherfuckers retard and putting them on their face. I mean, sorry, that's just what we got to do. I know it ain't PC, but that that's, that's just a, my thought pattern, you know, I, uh... only what it is. No, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's starting to swing the other way, man. Or soon, I it, think it, it, is it, it will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we a bunch of knee jerk reactions and a lot of overcorrections. Like some of the stuff that happened was good, and quality of life was was better for instructors. But just like you said, man, sure. like, at the beginning it was like, nah, fuck that. This is bullshit. <laughs> like we pushed back hard on it. Um, like I just did a podcast with. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, Preston Goodwin. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He and we were talking about the same thing, man. It was just like all the MTIs because uh, we saw it from where it was at 2012 to when it started switching over. We just all bitch and complain about all the changes that were happening. Like even if they were good for us, we still complain. It's yeah. like nope, the old yeah, ways be- yeah, better. Hard headed, yep, hard headed, man. And, yeah. I mean, that, they talk about it—the whole freezing, unfreezing. But the buy-in wasn't there. They they didn't deliver it correctly. Yeah. Anytime you make that abrupt change, you know, like for, for, it was 26 people that were selected for my group. And then when I got there, there was five of us and we were like, what the hell's going on? And they were like, well, Colonel blah, blah, blah decided, went through the list and you're the last five that are going to come through. that are going to be non-vols. So it was that type of thing. It was like the, the shut up and color. We're changing rules. We're not telling you. You remember when we woke up and we didn't have MTI special duty pay, like stuff like that. We wake up, shit's gone. Nobody's explaining it. it the communication just wasn't there for me. Yeah, yeah. But, I blame I blame a lot of it on a on a certain group commander. <laughs> I don't know. If she's oh still there yeah. Or not. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. She uh, she fucked some shit. shit I'm, re- I'm retired. I'll say what I want now. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you retired right at twenty, right? As soon as you hit twenty. Uh, yeah, I was almost at 21. So I hit the button, but it took, it was like five, five, six months for everything. And, uh, I mean, that was another thing. It was another thing they were trying to med board me on my paralysis. I have my left arm and I was having very bad migraines and stuff like that, but it was stuff that I had been having for years, bro. And all of a sudden it was like, they were like, uh, my captain, it all stemmed with COVID. I wouldn't take the COVID shot because I have what's called a cavernous angioma in my brain. So it's like small, slow moving clusters in my brain, blood cells. So things like caffeine and stuff, I have to be very careful, which as I'm talking to you, I'm drinking a coffee, (laughs) but I mean, stuff like that. uh, I didn't want to take the COVID shot. I looked at it. I discussed it with my doctor and he said, you have to. And he said, you don't fit the criteria. So then they started digging into my medical record. And he was like, you should have been kicked out at 12 years. I'm like, okay, Jesus. bro, I've been deployed multiple times, like all kinds of stuff. You're not going to sit here and try to take nothing away from me. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they started a med board on me and my commander was amazing here. He was awesome. I mean, he's like me and you old school will call the bullshit. And I, and, and I, I owe him, him giving me that 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 uh paperwork saying no nah, we we need to keep him he does a great job 
So that letter helped me be able to push it out and press the button. But I mean, uh, I ended up having an adverse reaction too. I, I was driving home and the, the med group commander called me and we argued for about 40, 45, 40 minutes all the way home. And we ended the conversation with Sergeant Kenny, you will go get your COVID shot. You will go get it. And I said, okay. So I went and got it 15 minutes later, started having a, a TIA mini stroke face was drooping. What Don't even fuck? remember getting to the emergency room. Uh, yeah, it was bad. So I had adverse reaction and then they were trying to still, they, they made me, they punished me for a medical stuff that after that, they kept, they send me all these specialists. So we can't figure it out because they can't figure nothing out at that time. Everybody was being real standoffish with COVID doctors would not say what they would tell me what they thought. I had doctors tell me, this is crazy. We don't know what's going on. And then they would report back to base a totally different thing because they were scared. Like they, they would tell me to my face. I was, it was a point where I wanted to record these conversations. Cause I was like, Whoa, that's not even what they told me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they, they penalized me and I would have to go every like Tuesday at like eight to noon to the base theater to perform a COVID test on myself. And this was months and I had to get a letter signed and to show I didn't have COVID. So at that point, man, I was already mentally checked out. I was like, I'm done with this. I hit the button as soon as I could. And, and I knew they were going to try to another, do another med board later. So it was, it was time to go, man. Yeah. If it wasn't for that bullshit, would you uh, stay no longer? I really wanted to, because my biggest thing is right now in the last probably four or five years is, is mental stuff. Like I like helping the airmen. I like helping them out. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've written some, some programs that I actually, now I'm retired. I want to be that old guy, you know, that shows up and to F tech or something and, and does, uh, and does my little program. I mean, we, we did it all over base and it's a really good PowerPoint and it's a good discussion. And it gets people thinking I've had airmen come to me afterwards. I mean, it turns into a little, you know, People tear up. People start getting emotional, talking about their lives and their foundation and where they came from. And it, and it really helps. I keep it in small groups, no more than like 15, 20. And you, you learn things. This, this opens up, this program opens up to the person next to you that you would never know. And we had a kid that was getting bullied over and over, you know, airmen being airmen. And this actually opened a lot where people understood who he was. And they kind of backed off on him, you know, uh, another dude opened up that he had, uh, what's it called? Asperger's. He had Asperger's and, and that opened up why he kind of acts the way he does. And we need to understand, you know, to, to pull back on that, on that, you know, making fun of his comments and things like that. Yeah. So it's a good program, but if I, if that didn't happen, I, I think I would have stayed in, but then again, I don't know because my, my other businesses do so well and, I mean, they've been making more money than, than the Air Force for eight, nine years. You know, the other, the other, my real estate stuff I've done, I mean, I do a lot of stuff, so it gets a little bit overwhelming, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you're all over the place with that. You're like a, a serial entrepreneur, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I, I remember when uh, we were at Beast, I think. I don't know if that's when you started, but that's when I found out about it. And like, oh, yeah, man, I just got a house. I'm fixing it up, doing this. I'm getting another yeah. house. I'm doing this. I'm like, fuck, man. You're like constantly doing some shit. I just can't stay still, man. I, I blame it on my dad. My dad just, uh, I mean, my dad always talked about we are who we are. 
around five years old, you're kind of, you kind of look at your children and I know y'all have children and think about it. When you look back at your children, look at them around age five, six years old. And as they get older, you know, I have a 20 year old stepdaughter. I have my son, he's going to be 18 and my son, a younger son is about to be six next week. But I look at them and I, what's that? They're that old. They're 20 and 18. Yeah. 20. Well, that's my stepdaughter. She's 20. And then I have my, my first son that I had from my first marriage. He'll be 18 in August. And then I started over with this marriage, obviously, with my wife, Olya, who I met in Korea. Uh, and she, we had our child 2017. He'll be six. He'll be six coming up. Oh, my gosh. Time but, flies, man. Yeah, yeah sorry. I just I, remember I just, your stepdaughter being like... Oh, Lena. Yeah, she was 11, 12 when y'all knew her. She's 20 20 years old. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, look at your children. And as they grow, he always, my dad always said, out of six kids, all y'all are, y'all are, y'all are the same person that y'all were at that age. Yeah. You make adjustments and you grow older and things like that. But when I look at you, your, your mannerism and who you are, your, your traits and your personality, things like that. Oh, if you're a sneaky kid or if you're an honest kid, it's usually passes. It usually carries on into adulthood. Yeah. So that's why I'm so, I, with my youngest son, I was in here, I got to start over. I wasn't a young parent. I'm an older parent. So I just, uh, everything I do for him is we, we talk about, you know, society, if I knew what I, if I knew now what I, or yeah, if I knew then what I know now, well, I know now. And, and with him, it's like a re it's a reboot. Yeah. So I put everything into this little dude and he's a sponge. So, uh, I've been blessed with that, you know, but it, it's, we talk about consciousness and who we are as a person I feel like we're we're the same person we were when we were a kid, but life events, um, you know, we have to make adjustments and stuff. But deep down in the center of our core, we are who we were, you know. Yeah, no, I uh, I totally agree, man. I read this fucking article, and I can't remember where I read it from, or where I read it, but it basically talks about that. It's like, hey, you grew up this this kid, and you're just like curious about everything, and you're becoming the person, like who you are and what your interests are, and then somewhere along the line. Uh, as you get older, like you start getting influenced by society and then friends and school and all the yep. shit that we deal with. Right. And then, so you're starting like kind of to mold yourself into this person to kind of fit into all those things. And then you're in your twenties, you're doing that, your thirties, you're kind of figuring yeah. out who you really are. And then like, once you hit your forties, you kind of revert back to, uh, the person that you originally were when you were young, like the true, your 100%. true self. And, uh, you're just like, fuck everything else like i know who i am and this is what i love to do or whatever this i love to spend time and you kind of revert back to that and i feel it man i uh i think that's on point and it it kind of ties into like what you're saying it's like uh how you carry that throughout your years although yeah you make adjustments and stuff and and you get influenced by one thing or person along the way uh eventually you just go back to being who you truly are and like uh in the end, man, that's what I think. That's perfect. It's in, a, it's, it's in a full circle. Yeah. I mean, they talk about the, the corniness of the circle of life, but I mean, it's in every aspect. And, and I notice like a lot of things, if I say something on Facebook or something, uh, we all talk about what we know. So I know the military, I know cars, I know things like that. So I always try to relate it to that. And a, and a big thing that I notice is, is a lot of people that are in other 
you know, points of their life. Maybe it's, maybe this guy's a computer program or something like that. It all intertwines. So it'll be like, Hey, it's the same way here. And you know, it's, it's the big circle. Like you said, we, we start out where we're at and the way I saw it was, it's like a drawing. When we're born, we have one little square in the center of our brain. That's who we are. That's our soul. That's our personality. That's who, what we are. And then as we get influenced, exactly what you said, things throughout our life and, you know, trauma loves trauma, things like that. And, and it starts building little squares around the center of who you are. And it's up to you to get back to that core. And I think that's perfect. What you said around, you know, 40 years old, I'm 39 and I find myself kind of going back in that full circle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same here, man. Like, uh, yeah, I'll be 40 next year. I just turned 39 in March and uh, I can feel it, man. Like I'm just like dying to go back to how I was as a kid and like the things that I enjoyed. And uh, naturally as an adult, you still have responsibilities and stuff, but like going back to the things that really uh, make you happy and stuff, like the shit that you were doing when you were enjoying life before, uh, you started worrying about all the other nonsense. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, another aspect of like, uh, different cultures and things like that. My wife, Olya being Russian, she's very, uh, as, as my buddy TJ says, very is they're just more cold straight. And she'll tell you I'm straight. She'll tell me, Hey, quit being so nostalgic. You know, like yeah. us, like you know, I'm a very nostalgic person. I look oh, back, me you too, know, man. Yeah, and Oli will be like, "Stop!" You know, let's 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 move into the future. I'm like, yeah, I am moving in the future, but the past also it builds up who we are. You know, so yeah. you you can't say it. I, it's in the words of I like to I like to plan, but I noticed you know, setting goals. I always, I've always set goals. I've always set them, you know, I've gotten more realistic with my goals. Uh, it's like in the words of macho man, I don't know if you've seen it where he says, he's like, Hey, don't plan too far in the future. And he's like, never buy too many unripe bananas. You may not live enough, uh, long enough to eat them. And I'm like, damn, that's deep macho man. Like, <laughs> Fucking macho man. Macho bro. The cream rises to the top. He's telling us to live in the now bro. Live in the now. You know, <laughs> oh man, only you could put a motivational quote from uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> when my wife buys them damn green bananas, I'm like, "Hun, we may not get a chance to eat them." She's like, "You're ridiculous." I'm like, "I know. I want to eat them now. I don't want to wait, girl." <laughs> you fucking clown, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um. I, I didn't know um, you had issues with your arm, man. Does uh, a lot of that stuff stem from like the shit you were doing early on, like the fighting yeah. and stuff? I mean, it may. I have no idea. Uh, it's it's no one's ever been able to find out what it is. Uh, I as now, I think it's anxiety. I think it's my anxiety attacks. I've always had type of like a you know it's because my, my brain is always moving. I'm always thinking, I'm always trying to figure out what the next move is, or, you know, that's something I've been trying to work on is, is to try to calm down yeah. and I've gotten better with it. And I've noticed that the paralysis has gotten a lot better, but I mean, there was days I'd wake up, my whole arm wouldn't be, it wouldn't be moving. And all you would have to shoot, just massage it two, three in the morning. It was, it was a normal thing. It was, it was every morning I wake up and my whole left arm was just gone. What and it, you know it's yeah it started in in 2003 2004 i was driving 
and shit, um, my whole left arm. That long? Yeah, when I was at Fort Bragg out there, yeah. uh, I'd go out there and uh, what was it? They like I was driving, my whole arm went numb, and I like almost crashed. And they thought I was lying, blah blah, blah whatever. They gave me meds, and then uh, one day I was driving again, and uh, but I had my boss, and he was in the other in the other truck and we were, we were going back down on these t- tank trails and stuff before bragging all. And all of a sudden my, my, uh, my whole arm just went numb and he had to grab the steering wheel. And I was like, oh, you know, like, shit. just like, what, <laughs> like it, it, it's, what it is, it's like, they're called TIAs. I guess they're mini strokes, but my brain doesn't show any white matter. It doesn't show any lesions scarring. Uh, that's how they found that little cavernous angioma. And I thought at that point, I was like, man, I'm done. That was at my, I started getting real dizzy, crazy dizzy. That was 2017 when I started getting really, really dizzy. And and, and it turned into, uh, they're called aura migraines. And it's 1% of migraine people have them. So I get Ooh. Botox shots, 46 injections in my face every three months. I just had them like a couple of days ago. What? 43, uh, 46 injections, you said? Yeah, 40, 46 injections uh, all down your your neck all in your face all on the your forehead and your temple the the uh the temple's the fun one as she says get ready for the crunch and you like hear it crunching in your in your head and they do my jaws too because i grind my teeth which can uh can make migraines happen i usually have my migraines like three in the morning damn man do you uh do they like numb the entire area before they give you all the injections no, sir. They put a bunch of little dots. I mean, maybe that's they're my tiny, fault because like, I want to be a... It sucks, but they're like super tiny needles. Yeah, you've had them? Yeah, so I have had yeah. aura migraine. Like, I have migraines, and I get med boarded annually for it, like a Rilo. Uh-huh. And then every four years, I hit like a no-shit med board. Um, but I also got diagnosed with asthma that I don't have, so I have to combat that too. But... I've had aura migraines, but mine aren't consistent. I have, um, they're called like no notice pressure migraines. So I'll just be completely fine. And then I'll like blink. And when my eyes open, it'll just be like a, someone just punched me in the side of the head. It's terrible. Yeah. Like my so vision mine will go all the way black shape. and then it'll come back. And it's just like, okay, you have a migraine now. <laughs> yeah. So I, then you can relate with me. Like I'll just be chilling or driving. And then all of a sudden my tell sign, I take that soon in for emergency medicine but it will my eyes will shake they'll just like rattle real fast and that's how i know or else i'll get the tinnitus in my ear and then i know i'm gonna get dizzy like i threw up i threw up all uh for the va stuff like if i lean forward it will make me dizzy and i try to tell the doctors whenever i after and this happened after the covid shot and and i've had it since the covid shot this never was before the covid shot this part i'm telling you so uh after the covid shot i had my little they thought it was a uh, hunter something syndrome or something i forget what i forget what it's called where my face was drooping and stuff uh so ever since then if i lean forward i'll throw up everywhere like I'll just if my if I hang my head, I'll feel the blood rush on my head. I'll come up, be dizzy, and then they thought it was oh, it's the crystals in your ears. So they sent me sent me this little hippy dippy doctor bouncing my head around and making me throw up everywhere. And I'm like, yo, this is this is not working. It's making it worse. I'd come home and I'd be done. But uh, I did it in there. Like oh, start 
Ken, you're exaggerating. I said, whatever, bro. And I said, unless I've learned how to throw up on command. And he's like, lean forward. I said, I'm going to throw up. He's like, lean forward. I was like, all right. I leaned forward. I threw up all over the office. Yeah. So then the VA, yeah, like the VA, man, I went over there for my disability stuff. And she was like, all right, I'm going to have to lay you back. I said, okay, I think laying back is fine. Well, she moved me really, really fast. And I came up. She's like, you look really green. And I'm like, "Uh, get the trash can. She grabbed the trash can. I threw up everywhere. So... (laughs) Yeah, so I did get that on my disability. I think it was like thirty percent or something for a pair of some kind of long name. I don't know what it is, but yeah, yeah vertigo something with para something. Damn, jeez, but, man, that's rough. Yeah, and it, and it affects me like working and stuff. But I, I can bend over and stuff. I don't want to make it seem like when I bend over, I just throw up everywhere. It's when I bend over and just leave my head pointed downward. Yeah, like north to south. That right there will instantly kind of talking about it's kind of getting me. But uh, it's weird. The human body is the. Uh, I mean, that's why they call it practice, right? Them doctors don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Hell yeah, they're practicing it each time and figuring it out as they go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you've gotten the Botox shots for years. Does so- it help? Um, no, it didn't help. I got it once and I didn't get all of them. I just got like the temple ones and the ones that are like right on your hairline. Um, I got you. And it made it worse for me. Like after I got it, I had cluster migraines for Mm. like two weeks straight and I was like, I'll never do it again. Um, but I'm on a, well, I don't take it, but I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to take a daily medication for my migraines. But when I take yeah. it, I wake up the next morning and I just feel super fucking hungover. Like I just got yeah. trashed last night, and I'm like, I can't function on a daily like in a hungover state. <laughs> so I have like the daily one I'm supposed to take, and then I have the take this when you're having like an extreme migraine, and it's basically just um, like Motrin with an intense shot of caffeine in it. Okay. And so, yeah. so I'll take it and I'll be having a migraine, but I'll also be like I'm on some super upper where I just like need to do everything, but my body's like, yeah. bro, slow down. So every Does medication it, uh, they've given me is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem with my, my angioma, you know, it, you can take away a lot of stuff, but I'm like a little kid. I, I drink only one thing of coffee and some days I'll skip. But for me, like it's, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's something it like gets butterflies in my stomach thinking I get excited when I want to drink coffee. Cause it's so relaxing for me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like something in my childhood or something. I don't remember subconsciousness, but it's, it's something about just sitting and drinking coffee. Like my pops will call me at like three, like you got to drink your coffee boy. I'm like, I'm about to sit here and drink it. But I gave up peanut butter, so peanut butter is really – I've ate peanut butter. I've made Facebook posts for years about, oh, I'm a little kid eating my peanut butter. I had to give it all <laughs> up, you know, certain fish, certain things like that. Uh, I felt like it has helped. The The migraines definitely have gotten helped. I'm, I, I was down – I'm down from – I was averaging – it was one a day, uh, like, where I missed, like, 86 86- days of work like it was bad to now i'm probably down to 10 or 8 and they're not as intense so two weeks before yeah 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 so two weeks before 
my Botox injections are due, I start getting real grumpy, kind of irritable, mean, like PMSing type shit. And <laughs> that's when I know I need to, uh, I need to get my shots. But I'm like you, I don't like medicine. I hate medicine. I, I, they gave me medicine, bro. I just want to throw it away. Like I walk out the office and I just, if you look at the side effects, Olia is being married to somebody from a different side of the world. They're very more Eastern based for the medicinal stuff. And I've learned yeah. so much and I allow her, she's my doctor and she's been right. And doctors have been wrong. I've seen it so many, I used to challenge her. Fuck no, no more. That woman could be a doctor. I'll put anything like she has destroyed doctors with my daughter. My daughter has some stuff and she was right for years. We battled with stuff and it ended up, Olya was correct. And now I just listen, bro. She gives me pills. I put them in there. She could be poisoning me. Love you, hon. But <laughs> you know, if you want to take me out, go ahead, girl. You got my true, you got my true trust. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I try to always give, the benefit of the doubt because you know like everywhere you go it's a new doctor that could be like a doctor for two days or 20 years you never know in the mm -hmm. military so um but i have found like i try to always give them the benefit of the doubt with the medicine and i'll take it for like i give it two weeks 14 days to like either sell me on it's working or i'm not taking it anymore but i have found like the civilian pas the ones that aren't like military doctors typically help me the most um but i always get some stupid ass captain who doesn't know his left from his right and he's like let's yeah. give you some i don't know antibiotics for your blinking eyes it's just some nonsense yeah. and it's like okay yeah. but all yeah i've been through probably like seven or eight different migraine medications and none of them have really helped so i just don't take them as i should so uh you talking about these captains right let's talk about it let's talk about these captains yeah. yeah so the guy that made me throw up everywhere he kept telling me about this covid shit and i was like listen listen dude like uh this is this is i could die i said I, i'm about to retire uh i ain't trying to die right now i just had a couple friends uh, i had a, a guy that was a friend through a friend and, and i mean he passed away at 43 years old he went to go he told his wife i'm gonna go get some water he didn't come back. She went in there. He had he had collapsed and had like a heart attack. Then you know everybody did the vigil, everything like that. And he he was a critical, and he, he got better and he came back. And then and then uh he died like a week later with his mom holding him. So I'm like I was like traumatized by that. Like this dude's forty three years old. Like I, I'm right behind him. I'm not I'm not trying to do something. I want to live life, you know. So me and him didn't see eye to eye on anything. Uh, and he basically was like, he told me straight up, he's like, Sergeant Kenning, you cannot fight the Air Force. The Air Force is going to win. I said, okay, it's like that, huh? Okay, cool. So after I had that COVID shot and talking to that commander, you know, uh, I was bitter. I was bitter. I was mad. I was upset about it. I, I was talking about it every day. Like, y'all y'all didn't listen to me. I should listen to people. We, I know my body. You don't know my body. I know me. I live with it every single day. Well, long story short, I ended up retiring months later and I was going to go get my medical records and lo and behold, there's that captain and that commander in the elevator. And he's like, Hey, sorry, kidding. Uh, what do you got going on today? Like he said, it real like bitch like, and I was like, uh, I'm coming to pick up some records. 
he was like oh and i had like a little beard going on a little white trash beard he was like uh what uh what are you on leave? I was like, uh, no, I retired. He was like, Oh really? I thought you had this. Like he was talking about the med stuff. And I'm thinking, well, you signed off on it. You should know what you signed off on. So we get down and we're done. And, uh, I was coming back down and, uh, to leave. And I was like, Oh, Hey captain, remember when you told me not to fight the air force, the air force is going to win. He was like, yeah. I was like, well, I won. Fuck you. And I walked off <laughs> and I got into the command. They turned bright red. And I, I flipped them all. I was like, fuck up. And I just walked off. And they're like, oh, oh, like saying, I just kept walking, bro. And then uh, a friend of mine who works up there called me and she was like, Sergeant Kenny. I was like, what? She's like, you told the commander and a captain to fuck off. I said, yes, I did. What are they going to do? And then I get a call from my boss. Bro, what the fuck are you doing, bro? I was like, I'm fucking done. I don't care. See you later. Like, what are you going to do, bro? You going to pull me back to active duty? Like you almost killed me. You like, I like your decision almost killed me. And he told me what kind of doctor on the phone. said. he said, Sergeant, I guarantee nothing will happen. And I say, you know what? That's the unprofessional thing I ever heard. Doctors can't guarantee shit. And that goes back to the whole, it's a practice. Yeah. Can't guarantee nothing. And that at that point, I knew, I was like, man, this guy's full of shit. Yeah, I think but like, like Holly's opinion, and it, this could be like very off, but I think they got so wrapped up in people just not wanting to take the shot for like political reasons that when it was an actual medical reason on why people couldn't take the shot, like they didn't want to hear it because they were so like, like, oh, I don't want to take it because this is, you're putting a chip in me or this is a fucking magnet that you're putting, like they got so tired of hearing all that shit that when, when it was an actual like, hey, no shit, this shot can 100%. kill me and these are the reasons why, they were like, no, 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 we don't want to hear that. So It's it's 100% accurate and and I called it as it was too and I was I was like, listen, I understand y'all are getting a lot of people coming in here and he was like, so why don't you try to do a religious uh thing and i said listen man uh i i'm i'm big on religion i'm a big christian i may not sound like it but i follow the lord i said but i don't see anything that i i and i thought this was more i i i thought this was like i didn't want to use my religion as a crutch i'm using something that is real yeah. and there was people that were using religion as, as you know they were faking it okay oh, yeah. me being a follower of Christ and all that, I felt like it was wrong because it, I don't think there was anything religious about it that would stop me. And maybe there's something I've missed in the word, but for me, it wasn't that it was seriously about my health. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, y'all are clouded by all the, the idiots coming in here. You know, the, the Alex Jones is coming in here talking about, <laughs> you know, the microchips and all this shit. Man, so I got myself yeah. in trouble here at Goodfellow <laughs> because like we were tech well i was an exec but before i was an exec i was a, like a instructor here at the schoolhouse and that's when the covid shot first rolled out and we're telling like i tried very hard to stay away from like telling people they should get the shot because that's not my place i'm not a yeah. doctor i like i have no medical basis to tell you to get the shot did i get it yes like i had no medical reason not to get it um yeah but there was this student in my class who like basically went down this big political thing and I was like, I'm going to ask you this question and you just answer yes or no. And then we'll move on from there because they were exploring the religious exemption. And I'm like, look, you do you. But I was like, when you were in basic training 
and you walked through a line and they stuck all those fucking needles in your arm and you had no idea what was going in your body did you ask any questions at that point and they were like yeah they told they were me the like, same no, thing yep. no and i was like okay then shut the fuck up and just like if you didn't ask any questions when they were literally jabbing a needle in each of your arms at the same time in a assembly line you have no religious exemptions to not get this shot like if you ask yeah. questions there then i will back you if you ask no questions there go to the fucking clinic and aside from that they were like you can't be telling people that and i'm like i'm just keeping it real guys <laughs> like religiously Let's keep it candid, yeah. religiously if that wasn't an issue for you then this should not be an issue for you and, like, and that was yeah and that was another thing and we can go we can play devil's advocate on that as well because i like to poke the bear uh there was you know back then like for me for me i've always kept my my religious stuff kind of myself i've had a lot of instances a lot of as cruz talks about a lot of stories and things like that that i feel like for me personally god was involved in but i never really started talking about my faith until later on so you know if there was something that i was trying to find on the religious preference and somebody told me hey back then you 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 didn't question it well yeah back then that was a point in my life where I walked away from God. He never walked away from me. That's when I was at a point of absence from him. So, you know, you could turn it around, but, uh, I understand what you're saying there too. And they try to say the same thing about, Oh, you had all these shots before and nothing ever happened. I said, uh, bullshit. I actually had as adverse reaction to smallpox. It's in my medical record. So there were so many things I felt like they missed. And it was a point where I was just beat up and done. And that's what they try to do is they just try to get you in the corner where you give up. I mean, it's the same thing whenever you do retire. I mean, there's so many things they don't tell you and you find them out from people that retired before you. Hey, when you retire, they're not going to do this. You're dependent pay. I've had dependents since 2004, like, come on now. And all of a sudden when I retire, I got to redo my dependent stuff. Like I'm still not getting paid for my dependents. I've been retired since December. You have to put that paperwork in and request it. So I think they, they do all this stuff and they put it in a place thinking or knowing actually that people are lazy. People aren't going to put it in or they're just ignorant. Yeah. They just and don't know. They just don't know. And a lot of people, I know people that retired and they're like, Oh, I just don't want to do that paperwork. I'm like, whatever, bro, that's money you're leaving on the, on the table. And that's for your family. So, but there's a lot of things they don't tell us. And I think it's purpose. I think it's on purpose purposely. It's put in place like that because that's how they're saving money is you got to go out and get that money. You got to go out and fill this paperwork out. People act too busy stuff like that. I'm getting my money. I'm sitting down (laughs) I'm filling out the paperwork. Yeah, you remind me of my brother, man, because my brother went through the same shit, and he he does all the same thing. It's like you have to go out there, and you have to make sure that it happens, file all the paperwork, document everything, and it, it's true, man. People just don't want to work to do it, but, like, you are leaving money on the table if you don't go and do that shit and handle it yourself because uh, there's nobody that's going to do it for you. So yep. it, Veterans help veterans, yeah. plain and simple, end, end of discussion. Like – no one takes care of us but other veterans. And that's that's the family that, that bond that people don't understand. Like, I don't care if you're a Marine. I don't care if you're an Army dude. I don't care what you are. And, and it's likewise, we help each other out. Hey, man, by the way, do this. You know, stuff like that. Because they're not telling us. Veterans help veterans. Plain and simple. Otherwise, we'd all be lost, bro. I mean, it's, it's we crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we are. I mean, that goes back into, you know, the discussion of, 
what, what, when do we come in the military? You know, we come in mostly at a young age. I, I think, I think, and I, I don't know, y'all let me know what you think about this. It's crazy. I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. I think they should make the age of the, uh, the entry level age of the military later. And this is why I say that. And I've seen a lot of good hearted being MTI people, I used to tell people when they were struggling, I was like, listen, man, you may want to be a fucking astronaut. I'm going to tell you what my dad told me. You, you may, your dreams are to be the astronaut, be the president, but maybe you just can't do it. Maybe this just isn't for you. And that would fuck them up and that fuck up their mind. But most of them, they'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to show you, you know, it's a little reverse pep talk, but I feel like mentally we're not ready. I mean, I came in 18 years old, yeah. Uh, just while we never, it, it takes so long to mentally grow up because I come in at 18 and then I got this little 22 year old staff sergeant who's just as dumb as me, you know, <laughs> mentally. And he's trying to teach me ways. And then I take up his bad habits and then that never goes away. And it's just a repetitive cycle. And we just continue continuously keep that whole cycle going. Uh, I feel like if somebody went to college, I mean, the best airmen I had were older ones that came in. They had already seen life. They paid bills. They'd done stuff. But, I mean, I, I think they should they should look at that. I think a lot of lives have been ruined. Guys that come in, they, it ain't for them, and they struggle and for four years, and then they get out, and then they have problems mentally, and they feel like they were failures, things like that. So uh, I would – yes and no. It's a It's a double-edged sword, man. Uh, because yeah. it, it just depends on who you talk to. Yeah, like there's a lot of guys uh, and girls. Um, like your brain is not fully formed until you're 25, unless that's what I yep. hear all the time anyway. Uh, so, yeah, you do come in and uh, you're just a youngster. You don't really know. If you haven't lived on your own, you came in right at 17, 18, then you really haven't experienced a, another part of life outside of the military and what the military shows you. Um but at the same time, for the kids that they just need to get out of their situation or yeah. they have really no other choice, no other direction, they don't know what the hell they're going to do with their life. Like college is not for them. They don't want to work at the, the same plant that everybody else is working at wherever they're from or like doing whatever their family's doing. Like they just need to find their own way. Like the military is – the perfect outlet and sometimes those kids are the ones that really flourish in the military no matter if they're like 17 or 18 um so it's but yes if they come in at a later age and they have some of that life experience and they're not ruined by the time they are, they come in then yes they they tend to be the better airman the better soldier and whatnot because they're they're bringing experience with them and I see a lot of that here at the schoolhouse, uh, not in the students, but on the instructor side. Like we get a lot of instructors that are just fucking, they're young, man, young. Yep. Like they yep. have one assignment under their belt for two or three years and then they come teach and they're just like you were saying, they're 22, 23, maybe not that young, maybe a little bit older, like closer to 25, um, have one assignment, don't really have that much supervisor experience. Uh, but now they're leading and teaching the new airmen and kind of giving them a taste of like what they're about to get into in their specific career field within the Air Force. And a lot of them, to be honest, like a lot of them should not be here teaching them because uh, they're they're doing more 
harm than good. Uh, not more harm than good, but they're doing a lot of harm. Uh, yeah. Whereas experienced, um, uh, experienced airmen, like say you and I, Holly, the ones that have 10 plus years under their belts um, and have multiple assignments and have all these different experiences. We've led people, we've supervised people, we've been, we've deployed, we've been put in like so many situations and then bring that back. We can bring that back to the schoolhouse as opposed to where, like, the inexperienced people, they can't because they're so fucking brand new themselves. Like, they just haven't had the opportunity. Um, yeah. No, 100%. I, I just uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see it, it, it being that 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 out for people that don't have the opportunities and things like that. So I, I do see I do see where that would uh, limit them and, and then maybe, you know – having that out as a military and like you said them flourishing and stuff but uh i guess there's really just no answer man it's just i, I it's like what i tell my daughter the problems that you have the things you have if you look around you it's not everybody around you sometimes it is but it's majority it's what's what's within you and that goes back to our foundation and i mean that program that i wrote i, I think it should be mandatory i think it should be mandatory for the beginning i think you should have it in the middle and towards the end, I mean, because like what I basically talk about is, is our foundation is kind of like a pyramid beam house, you know, uh, you can build that house, but after a certain amount of years, if you didn't build it on a good foundation, it's just going to shift. It's going to move. Yep. Uh, so we have to make those adjustments. We all change. I'm a different person than when I was when yes. I first came in. And that's off of these life events as y'all are things that come through, you know? So it, the mental aspect, if you don't, see that mental awareness if you don't have that mental awareness and fix it your shit's gonna crumble bro and i feel like a lot of the mid tier ranks are beat to hell they're the hardest working but there's that emptiness there there's that uh you know they're just uh what is it that movie where he says i'm tired boss i mean that's kind of how you feel in the <laughs> mid-range and i got friends that got out like 10 11 12 years i had to do that got out 15 years like you're at the end and it was because of the the temperature and the climate of the work area and it's in every core it's in every single uh, afsc i think it's just uh something that's going on that needs to be fixed uh, yeah i don't think like changing the age to join is like the right answer but i think changing uh -huh. the way we promote people is the right answer and i think like yeah. a lot of that is like, you know, you said you have these staff sergeants that are 22, 23 years old. Like, I joined when I was 17, basically, just to, like, yeah. get away because I knew if I stayed – like, I had other opportunities, but if I stayed there, I knew I would never leave. So, I left when I was 17, but, um, you know, you have these 22-year-old staff sergeants, but they have the mind of an airman. So, while they're yes. leading, they don't have the experience to lead. So, it's like, yes, you're wearing the rank but you're at the same capacity as an airman. And so when we when we lead those like NCOs, when we promote them early, like we work with someone here. Well, we did work with someone here and I have like, su I'm super salty about it and I will continue to be until I retire. But like she was in for nine years when she made master sergeant. That's fucking oh, insane yeah. to me. Like That's, you have no yeah, business so being a senior NCO when you have literally been to one assignment and you taught at tech school and now you're a master sergeant. Get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. you have no business doing that. But if that's the people that we're promoting, then like the cycle is never going to end. Yeah. And so, yeah. and I don't think like time and grade or time and service is the right answer either, because like you can be in the service for 
20 years and like never have supervised anybody or have only ever been to one base so you only have the aspect of that one thing and so I don't know what the right answer is but I think promotions and like promoting the right people with the right experiences is like where that fix has to somewhere start they would tell they would tell me like man Kenny you're like that grumpy ass NCO I'm like I'm not trying to be the grumpy NCO and I get (laughs) it like I would tell people it's a difference it's a difference of complaining like a lot of this, it sounds like we're complaining, but no, we're trying to figure out what the problem is and, you know, talk about it. So like I would tell them, you got to choose your fire. You know, you have passion over passionate positivity or positivity. Like that's the fuel for your fire. And that like, think about a log. Okay. It, it, what, what does a log take to, to burn? It has to take oxygen. It has to take something. So you can either throw your oxygen is either going to be positivity or negativity. So that's why I tell them, choose your fire. If you're going to be negative, you need to understand that you're digging that trench of negativity. It's going to be the norm, but it's not, it's not wrong or bad to be negative sometimes because negative thoughts sometimes bring those good positivity thoughts, those positive thoughts for you to be able to critical think and figure out the problem. So sometimes we got to go deep, deep into the dark freaking hellhole that's, you know, our, our soul that's burning and shit. You know, you, sometimes you got to dig deep to find the answers. And that's all I try to explain to people is sometimes you got to go into the dark to find the light, you know, and, uh, it's, we need to find the answer. I don't think we'll find the answer today, but talking about it definitely is better than just shut up and color and, and, and do what we say, you know? Yeah. But No, I, th- I think you're, you're right on the money with that. Like, uh, like sometimes you got to go through some of the negative to, to come out on the positive end. And, and that just goes with experience, man. Yeah. Uh, like that's one of the problems with like the current air forces. We have a lot of people, uh, a lot of younger people that are entitled. Um, and I say that because, you know, there's people not making rank on their first go around and they're like, Oh, this is fucking bullshit and this and that. And it's like, yeah. dude, you, it, it's a good, it's not a bad thing that you didn't make rank your first time or second, even your third time. Like you'll make rank. And uh, like the longer you have on the current rank, the better you're going to be at the next rank. That's all it is. And, uh, but automatically it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not making it on the first try, so I'm a piece of shit, or this is bullshit, I'm getting out because the Air Force doesn't know what it's doing. It's like that's, yeah. that's not the case. Uh, like just continue to learn, continue to grow, and then you, you'll get there, right? But, and it's not just with promotion. It's a bunch of other things with whatever it mm-hmm. is they're trying to accomplish within the Air Force. It's like they don't get it on the first try, and that's it. It's like over. It's like, no, man, you got you to gotta go through some shit to be better like that's what experience is uh sometimes it's learned easy a lot of times it's learned the hard way but i mean that's what experience is you get that you learn you learn from it grow and then when you can fucking teach the next person it's like hey and that's where that's where you're talking about it's like hey this is a negative like i'm telling you because i went through that negative i see that you're about to go through that negative if you keep on going that route so that's why i'm telling you this shit um Oh yeah, man. I, I get that every day. I get that all the time. People like, you know, people, 
like everybody has something what is it sawdust in the cellar you know is never a good sign but truthfully we all got sawdust in our cell in our cellar you know like life is tough everybody has their thing so fix fix your fix your cellar bro like people like see all these cars and see all this stuff and oh you never sleep i'm a workhorse that's my therapy your therapy something else my therapy you know is to come out here and jam on something, and I like to see something from the, the – I'm an alchemist. I like to take something from the bare minimum and make it something great, and I do that with my trainees. And I do that with every aspect of my life, and it goes back to what you just said. Like, if you don't have that experience, I've had tons of failures, tons of failures. And not everybody – you're not going to put your failures out there. I try to be humble, and I try to check myself uh, like on my post and things like that, because there's somebody out there that's reading my shit that thinks that everything is amazing and great. No, I have my stuff. And just like you have st- your stuff. So uh, it's about learning from it. And I tell everybody, and this is another thing. If I tell you right now, Holly and Cruz, if I say, I like to learn something every day, majority of people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. And that, that irks me because all right, look at Herschel Walker. I don't know if you ever listened to him speak. Uh, I saw him live and I listened to him talk. And, you know, he's got the multiple personality thing. He talks about that. But he talked about growing up. He still does to this day. And people say he's lying. Hey, hold on. You were, like, you were, okay, you were breaking why up. Why are you going to take that away from me? Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, what's the last thing you heard? Uh, Herschel yeah. Walker speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, people, people saying like, if I say something, if I say that I like to learn something every day, I really do. I really try to learn something every day and people that don't do shit, they think that's an exaggeration. But if you look at like Herschel Walker, he said he grew up with multiple personalities, created alter ego and his alter ego was, you know, he made this powerful motherfucker and he's over there doing a thousand pushups a day. And that's what fuels his fire. And people say he's lying. And I'm like, who are you to say he's lying? If you look at Ric Flair, Ric Flair talked about, his entire life, he did nothing but free body workouts. He would wrestle for, I, I heard this on the on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, he would wrestle for hours and no one else could. And he talks about it was all free workouts, free squats, every day his whole life. And that was his passion was if, if he did 200, next time he did 250. You know, uh, it, it's about what lies in, in deep. I mean, uh, I'm sitting there as an old-ass technical sergeant, and I got airmen just come. This one guy came out of a uh, – combat control school he washed out or whatever pj or something yeah and they did the was it the, the 200 is it 100 or 210 minute challenge push-ups uh, i forget what I, it was i think it's 200 yeah he couldn't do it what did i do i got down and i fucking did it in front of everybody and i ain't <laughs> worked out in years bro because i have heart because i'm built different call it narcissistic call it what you want but it's because i i tick differently I have no fight. You have to kill me for me to. I have no. I have no. Uh, no quit in me. I'll fight till I die. You got to kill me. Like it sounds crazy, but I'm not going to quit at anything. And that's what separates the Herschel Walkers, the Ric Flairs, the motherfucking Derek Kennings. Why I'm rolling in the money? <laughs> why I'm fucking doing what I'm doing? Because I don't quit. And people think it's easy. It isn't easy, bro. Yeah. You, you got to fucking work to get your shit. I, and I that mean, yeah, goes back do. to what you're talking about. They don't have the experience. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't make it, Cruz. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't make it uh, the first time. I had a dude message me the other day. Motherfucker, been in twelve years talking about. I, I, I didn't make, I didn't make it. I'm like, bro, what? Who, 
okay you haven't done shit <laughs> like i'm not gonna wait you're talking to the wrong motherfucker i'm a grumpy ass old fucking technical sergeant that is retired like you're barking up the wrong tree where i got passed up by a lot of people when i was told i was number one for years like i'm jaded i'm gonna go over here and build some cars leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean uh so social media is like notorious for like um just fucking with people's mental health really yes because it's, it's just a highlight reel of everybody's successes or like the highlights of of their of their lives man they're not on there posting the bad stuff well some people do post bad stuff but it, it's few and far between right like they're not putting yeah. posting the everyday stuff like when you were building your businesses or you were putting together your houses or what i don't know how many businesses you have now but when you were first starting out like nobody wants to see that grind it's like it's boring and it's it's a lot of work but when you when you have the outcome and whatever it is like how many houses or financial success or whatever it's like oh yeah they want to see that they want to see the shiny penny but they don't want to see everything that goes into it and it's like yeah that's boring that's that's not what excites me um so like if you made a bunch of posts like that like People it's care. instant grat- it's instant gratification that's today's society yeah and i have i mean i have some very wealthy customers I, I this shit is expensive and i tell i tell guys that come in with a small budget i'm gonna fit your budget okay i mean uh i i all i don't like to write invoices now a lot of companies they charge 100 bucks hey if you want to go further on this build uh pay me 100 bucks and i'll write you a full invoice it takes a long time you got to sit here and write these full detailed you know everything a lot of them will just give you a synopsis like a, just a little uh you know snapshot of what they're going to do without i break down my parts i tell you where it's coming from i show you where your money's going okay so you're taking my time away from another customer's car you know so you're going to pay for it whatever i'm getting to that point where i'm i might start charging for these invoices because now like if you call me right now you say i want to build this car i say okay uh i tell you it's around twenty five thousand dollars if you, if I hear you on the phone, I'm going to tell you, okay, you have a good day. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to pay for it. You're going to sit here and try to talk about this and that and this. And, and, you know, I had a customer the other day, he called me, uh, I don't really do advertising anymore. I'm blessed with big companies that I sell for. Uh, I mean, some of these companies I sell over 200, $300, $300,000 worth of merchandise through their shit. So when customers call, they're like, Hey, call Jekyll and Hyde. And then they meet up with me and I talk to them. I had one that called me. And he's like, hey, I got this brand new blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm ready, bro. I'm ready to get it. I'm ready to do it. I'm like, okay, slow down, buddy. Let's talk about budget. Let's talk about what we're going to do. I want the baddest of the baddest. I'm like, that's going to be very expensive. I want to keep it on the stock blower. Okay, I'm going to build you a max stock blower build. Okay, okay, cool. So I forgot to ask him. I broke my own rule, and I forgot to ask him his budget. Well, I ended up writing this damn shit because he said, I'll bring you money now. I'm like, oh, this is a big baller, bro. Okay, cool. So I write this invoice. I send it to him. He don't answer me. I'm like, okay. So I call him, and I'm like, hey, uh, you said you wanted to bring some money, drop a deposit down. He's like, yeah, bro, it's $26,000. That's a lot of money. I just spent sixty on the car. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you talking about you one of the biggest big daddy dick package we could do on the stock floor what are you talking about you money bags it's funny man so but what i was saying is i get real deal money bag customers and you know what you know what i always see is these people work their ass off it's like looking in the mirror so i try 
to surround myself with like-minded people. If you're lazy, I want nothing to do with you and, and call it brash, whatever. I just, I can't be around lazy people at this point in my life. And you got to surround your people or yourself with the like-minded people, or otherwise you're going to become and be like them. And, uh, I just can't do that. So, uh, they all have the same story. It's all, it may be a different career, but a lot of them are self-employed. I mean, I don't know if you saw the list the other day, the number one highest paid jobs in America is self-employment right now. So, and then the, and the next one is two through 12 is like medical. So yeah, I, I try to, I try to tell my, my 18 year old, dude, go into HVAC, open your own company. Like I'm the worst person. If you send me a plumber to my house, I am literally going to talk to them for two hours about branching out on their own and creating their own business. So don't send me your motherfucking apprentice because I'm going to turn his mind into entrepreneurship just for all the companies that are listening right now. I'm going to sit in there and give them a speech and then they're going to go back and they're going to be reblued, as you say, yeah. ready to fucking open their own shit. And you, boss, you can blame you, me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, you're cool. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. Bye bitches. <laughs> In the infamous words of Derek Kenyon, fuck you, I won. <laughs> uh, Left him in the dust. Now, I mean, one of my close friends growing up, he did that, man. He, uh, he He's like you, man. He's just like constantly moving, huge networker. Very, very busy. My schedule's crazy. I have an amazing wife who she is fine, like most I, I don't know i don't want to offend women so holly close your ears but <laughs> most women already. need their husband like right there they need their husband right there my wife is from a different she grew up in the fucking cold war wearing gas masks bro like she she's very independent and it our our marriage works great because of that we have our problems we have our issues but that's the things I need to work on. Uh, it's something that I need to, it's so easy for me to get out here work all day. And I miss the big moments in my little man's life or even moments, maybe all oh, you needed help in the house. I wasn't in there, but I, I designed this shop. It was always my dream. And everything I did was planned out. It was very, very uh, orchestrated. I wanted to have land. I wanted to build my shop behind my house and, that's what I did. I built, I got five acres out here. I got my shop out here. I've expanded it. I'm about to expand it again. My little man can come out here talk to dad when he wants. They're in the pool swimming. I look out the window. I see him, things like that. But I need to pull myself back. And, I, and that's where I, I try to check myself once a week and see where I missed out and try to fix that. It goes back to learning something new every day. Uh, I need to give my wife more breaks. She got a little crazy five-year-old in there running around. He's homeschooled. We both, uh, agreed. Hey, we're just going to keep them homeschool, uh, with the craziness that is in the world today. Yeah. So I try to give her those breaks. I need to work better at it. Uh, I think as men, we for, and Holly, you can open your ears again. Uh, <laughs> as, as, as men, uh, we forget our women. They, they are people too, bro. They got ambitions. They got dreams. Uh, and I feel like we overlooked that I'm out here tearing this shit apart. And I mean, my wife has sacrificed a lot. Uh, she had a hard life. Yeah. Now she's in America. She's a citizen, all those accomplishments, which are huge. Uh, you know, I, I always try to ask her, Hey, is there, is there something you want to do? I mean, do you, I mean, she normally, she just, what makes her happy is to be with her kids, but I always, I mean, things change. So that communication with your spouse to make sure, cause days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months, bro. And months turn into years, you know? Yep. 
so just trying to be a better spouse, be more understanding, take more breaks. I'm retired. So that's why I announced the other day I'm fully booked out till now it's October. It was September, which I'm blessed. I mean, and then I got the houses, so I'm stretched, but the house thing, me and the wife can do together, even though, uh, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of design. It's hard to work with your spouse. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a better interior decorator. Her designs are better, but in the moment I don't let her know that, but deep down I'm like, yeah, she's right. You know, the brown's better than the white, whatever, but shit. Uh, so those are the types of things that we get to bond on and, and look what Alexander is getting. This dude's watching businesses grow in front of his house. Uh, he's, he's, he's watching these houses get designed. He's watching, you know, these houses he, like come from nothing. And then we redesign them. He's seeing that he's grabbing so much information. Uh, and I'm the dad. I'm the, the, w- w- my kid ain't going to have to work, bro. I'm sorry. Like people say, Oh, you're going to give him everything. He's getting everything. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Bro, he's getting everything. I don't. I, it's oh, you're setting up for failure. No, because my son is more of a man than some of these men. I'm, it's crazy. Oh, he's only five. This dude's he's he's different. He's special. He is, and he's not going to grow up with a silver spoon or whatever. But he's going to have a lot. He's not going to have to work if he don't want to. But he's going to work if that if you get catch my drift. I'm not going to allow my kid to be lazy. But that's the thing is. It goes back all the way back to that circle. That's not him. His personality is he's a hard worker. He's in the house right now doing like a, a 2000 piece puzzle. Nice. I mean, yeah. And that's his decision. So, uh, the way we, the way we're doing this child is, uh, we do not bombard him with work. He's homeschooled. He does work and he does learn. However, uh, studies and things if you look at it it talks about do not we get over pressured with work and until the age of about eight nine years old is when you really need to start introducing that hardcore curriculum right now is a point in a child's life where we crush all their creativity and you need to allow them to be creative and this mother this this dude he blows my mind i mean he's he's in a tearing stuff apart now he's he i went in there he had like a little toy torn apart and he was a he was touching a screwdriver on the little leads and he's crossing them over and he was making all the noises and speakers i was like dude this dude figured it out himself <laughs> like it's crazy Nah, you're right man like a lot of that creativity is killed once basically once kids start school man uh just because they're the expectation of school is to conform and they don't really let you express like i go eat uh, the wife and i go eat with the kids every once in a while we'll go have lunch with them at school and uh like they are strict in there as far as like stay seated be quiet don't be making too much noise like basically like don't disrupt the norm right when kids are just like they're they're pent-up energy is just being suffocated when all they want to do is they just want to interact with each other they just want to play and they just want to be running around and it's like the system is just basically just stopping all of that and uh i mean it sucks i don't like it there's not much we can do about it because we're working so we can't homeschool them but it's like fuck man like they barely have recess anymore like when we were going to school it's like we went to lunch then we went to go play outside for an hour and then it was back in the classroom. Now they don't even have that. They have recess for like 30 minutes every couple days. And mm-hmm. the rest of the time, they're just expected to sit still in, in their desk and, and learn and pay attention 
perfectly. It's like and and that's and and a lot of that too. Like I made that post a while back where I was like my buddy was coming in and I was like I'm not alone. He was like driving up because it, it's uh, I forget man. My buddies are at work and they're doing normal stuff. Like uh, <laughs> you, you know, it's like when you skip school and you're like this shit's boring. I'm going back to school, man. <laughs> but I ain't got no school. I ain't got no school to go to. I just go inside and bother all you. And she's like, yo, get out of here. I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> you know. So they got their schedule stuff like that. And that's what's cool is. You know, she, she, I cannot, she, I cannot uh, build her up anymore. Like she's amazing. She, she gets him to his programs. He does jujitsu over her at zombie Joseph over there. Brian is coach shout out, uh, uh, zombie jujitsu. Amazing for the children. Amazing. They're, they're badasses over there. Turning my man into a little warrior, nice. but, uh, he, uh, he does that. He does gymnastics. Uh, I mean, he goes to the park, he's got his friends, he goes to the library there. He's been doing this library program. So he's out there, he's interacting. I don't, that's I don't want my kid to be the awkward dude that don't know how to talk to nobody. So, you know, <laughs> he's got his program and that's all because mama gets up and takes him and does it. Cause daddy's out here working, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm going to start, man. I'm starting to, sorry customers, but I'm, I'm starting to pull back. I'm starting to do more vacations. We're going to go out uh, this next weekend. I'm taking off this weekend, go see my pops for his birthday. Alexander's a day after my, uh, after my dad. And we're gonna go out there to San Antonio and spend a couple of days, see my mama. And, uh, I mean, though we take little mini vacations, man. The Dubai trip was amazing. We we're blessed with a customer out there. That was super amazing. I got to go to Jamaica soon. I got a customer out there, nice. customers in Canada. So, I mean, there's big things coming out. We got some records we're chasing these cars. Uh, I got to get my car going. It's one of the fastest C6s in the world. We're going after some stuff, and, and, and it has crazy potential. Late model engines, LME, 427, 2,500 horsepower engine setup. Uh, I'll find some time and get that going, but a lot of stuff. I mean, we're just going to keep keep rolling, man, keep doing it, keep building these cars, and I'm coming after. I say it. some heads are going to roll. You're going to see it. We got some monsters coming out. Badass, man. Hey, uh, yeah. uh, so we're, we're coming up like, I don't know, I think we're past an hour and a half. Um, yeah, but, I got uh, uh, we'll wrap it up real quick. Uh, just one story, <laughs> one story I wanted everybody <laughs> to hear. Oh, was, you remember um, yeah. when uh, you were telling me about like your fighting days and jujitsu and all that shit. I was like, oh man, teach me jujitsu because like I've always wanted to learn, but I don't know shit about it. And you're like, fuck yeah, man, let's let's go learn. We'll we'll uh, go to the gym and then and we'll practice and shit. <laughs> and then uh, so we went to to that jujitsu or whatever that has all the mats in in that gym uh, on Lackland. Yeah. You're like, all right, man. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start off with the basics. And then the first thing you do, <laughs> it's like you lay on your back and you're like, all right, man, let's get gay. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, oh, it might be a little awkward, but I mean, this is like what you got to do. You're going to learn and shit. I got to wrap your legs around my legs around you, bro. I do remember that. Oh, yeah, you remember shit. it? It was hilarious. Yeah, man. I do remember that. At first, I didn't remember it until you said it. I was like, yep. 
I remember you coming home and telling me that, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, man. <laughs> Go take a, a shower so you don't get ringworm. It was the funniest shit ever. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you don't get some damn mat disease or something. <laughs> well, uh, Olia, bro, first time Olia, she said, she, is, I mean, she still got the broken English, uh, God bless her soul, but that's why I like it. You know, she got the little Russian twang, but she was like, uh, she was like, uh, what the, I was watching some jujitsu, she's like, what is this? What is it? <laughs> What does it? And I was like, what do you mean, babe? She's like, she's like, this is gay. And I was like, <laughs> I said, shit ain't gay if I wrap your ass up and break your arm, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I ever did it, man. I had this dude up in my crotch and I was like, man, I don't know about this. Let me, can we switch, bro? <laughs> if anything, if I, if I was going to, if I was going to be like sprinkles, bro, I love you to death. If I was going to do it, boy, I'd be, I'd be on top. I'm the giver. I ain't, I ain't getting it. Take it Mark. Yeah, uh, that's just how I would do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was awkward at first, man. But you get so fucking exhausted, like all this shit goes out the window. You're just, Bro, you're it's just uh, trying to survive. Jujitsu, like jujitsu and martial arts, and I mean, I've been training since I was a kid, uh, and and striking and stuff like that. It goes back to that dedication thing. I used to sit there and just beat the bag up and 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 just in my room listening to what fucking disturbed boy i've been jamming the boy just getting it beating the shit out of his bag like some maniac and uh it's i've taught people when i brought them in kind of like that and it's it's gotten people hooked and they still do it i'm over here old man not doing shit and living vicariously through my boy i put my gi on the other day it was actually like two years ago went out there and put my little belt on and I was all fat shit. Now I'm, now I'm like a skinny fat crackhead, but you know, that's the work. I got to get back in the gym and, and do some stuff, but are you still, Hey, you still doing your house, your home gym stuff, your CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not CrossFit anymore. I still got all the shit, but it's just regular working out now, man. Uh, I'm too old. Oh, for the man, CrossFit, I'm glad dude. to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you got rid of CrossFit, bro. Uh, I miss it, dude. Like, I wish I could nah, still do all bro. that stuff, but with y'all little plastic weights that look like 45s and you ground them as a 10. <laughs> who y'all trying to fool, bro? Nah, who trying nah, to fool? They, they, they 45s. They 45s. The color, so the color high socks to your knees. Come on, bro. Hell yeah. Oh, man. I still rock high socks. They're not colored anymore, though. <laughs> your no. full chulo, uh, was a cholo coming out? Yeah, man. It's uh, what they say in BMT, the higher the socks, the higher the motivation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You need to open up. That's what you need to do. You need to do like a little uh, a little special. Uh, here's an idea, entrepreneur idea. You'll get like a million followers. Make like a cholo gym. <laughs> a cholo gym. <laughs> a cholo gym. A cholo gym series, bro. That's that's already been taken, man. The fucking, uh, nah, what's his name? Uh, the cholo fit guy, um, Frankie Quinones. Cholo. Yeah. Cholo like, what? Cholo fit. You sent me a video uh, on that shit. Damn, bro. See if you can think about it. It's been done. <laughs> we got to figure all, something out. Cholo CrossFit. It's all about execution, bro. <laughs> but yeah, hey, man. I do. So I, I, I'm, I'm getting my inner Ric Flair on and I'm in there. I'm in the I'm in the shower doing my uh, my naked squats and the wife comes in looking at me and like she's like what are you doing I'm in there get <laughs> <laughs> like ten fifteen boy them, them them full body workouts in the shower I got a multitask bro drinking my coffee in there washing my hair <laughs> listening to my tunes doing my squats the shower is a is a big event for me oh uh, yeah. Oh, man, the one story yeah. that I was going to say that, like, I always remember for Kenny, well, not really, like, you so much, but, like, your wife, the yeah. first time we ever met her, um, we, like, all went down to the Riverwalk, 
and I don't even remember what it was for. It was for something. But anyway, she like spilt a drink on this like white sweater she was wearing and she was in the bathroom for a long time and you were like, go in there and see what she's doing. And I went in there and she had like her whole top off and it was like under the dryer. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you can't just take your clothes off in here. And she was like, this is the girls, like the girls. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to like even communicate this. (laughs) and she was like no she was like trying to tell me she had a stain on her shirt and i was like oh my god put your shirt back on oh that is funny bro she used to she used to leave me outside and uh like and she'd go to the bathroom afterwards and it'd be like forever it was almost a deal breaker i told her i was like you i I sat out for an hour were you dropping a deuce in there for like two hours what are you doing you you believe me you're going and throwing up she's like what what is this i'm She's like, I'm putting on my lipstick or I'm like, well, you're in there for like an hour, bro. You got to be doing something. But I mean, she's I, just we long with in the restroom. We were leaving like one bar going to the other and you were like, well, you go see what she's doing. And I went in there. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> exactly. See? Oh, oh yeah. She, she'd be out there forever, man. <laughs> and she's in the restrooms like taking care of herself. You're over there fucking high motivation and taking care of business, <laughs> squatting, <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Getting the most out of your time. I go in there, I'd be like, Hell yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> I'll leave you I'll leave you one once one of my crazy stories. So whenever I whenever I met Olya, uh I wanted I knew, bro, it was like that that uh cheesy, I'm gonna marry this chick. I was writing my mom and dad, bro. I lied. I took pictures off her Facebook and I told her this. I took pictures off Facebook and I creepy like sent to my mom. I said, look, I'm not dating this girl. I wasn't even dating her yet, but something <laughs> inside of me, bro, knew I was going to get her. I go into there. And this is when I was huge, bro. I was doing MMA stuff in Korea. I was jamming. I was just killing on the weights. I was doing like, it was 365 on flat, 405 on decline. I was like 200, just getting crazy with it. And freaking, uh, I go in there, I put people on my back and I do push-ups. I do arm wrestling competitions. I knock these back, the little, the, uh, those boxing things with the, it was a little video games. You knock them out. And I always had the high score. I was always trying to show off in front of her. Well, finally, we go out. I finally get her on a date and we go out on this bar. And uh, I'm dancing. I'm getting my dance on. I'm a big dancer when I'm drinking. Uh, so I'm sitting there getting my dance on. I have my hand up in the air. And this dude walks up and punches my hand. And I look over at him. I'm like, oh, hell no. And I start following him through the crowd. So I get it and follow him through the crowd. And I get over and there's this other girl. I guess he bumped into her, walks into the restroom and they're yelling. And this dude, picture this, this dude standing in Korea. They have those real tall urinals and they always have ice water or ice in there. I guess it gets rid of the stench or something, but it's always full of ice. And uh, he's sitting there screaming at her, shut up, get out of here, bitch. And I, I walk up and I'm yelling at this dude. And he's like, fuck you, motherfucker. And we get in this fight. His dick is out. Everything, bro. <laughs> so I'm fighting this dude with his dick out. Blah, 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 blah. He like throws me in this weak ass little guard. I guess he was doing some jujitsu in town or something. He's got his dick all on my chest. I'm like, oh, hell no. He's trying to get me in a triangle. So I come up and I just hammer fist him twice on his head and knock him out. And his head goes into this ice and he's in this piss ice. And he's kind of like just in there like out i'm like oh i'm gonna get in trouble i gotta get out of here so i roll out and by the time i get out 
my buddy Rod and Olya and a couple of the dudes, they're there and they're like, what happened? I said, we got to go. We got to go. And we go outside and we go across the street and I'm like, watch, watch, watch. And it's like that scene in Dumb and Dumber where Seabass comes running out. He's like, where's them sons of bitches? <laughs> he had woken up and he comes running out and he's like looking around and his whole back of his head is covered in piss in his back. Oh. And he's all bleeding out of his face and we're just laughing. It was hilarious, bro. <laughs> and uh, so I got, that's my side. Well, Olya tells me years later, I remember this. She, or she, actually, she told me at that point, but we still talk about it. She said, I remember. She's like, you have terrible friends. Are all American friends terrible? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, when he punched you, I see you run. And I say, oh, Derek, go fight. Derek, go fight. And Rod, being the badass wingman he is, looks over and he's like, yeah, Derek can fight. He's a badass <laughs> fighter. It's just Derek. And I asked Rod, I said, yo, what happened? He's like, bro, I thought your wife was like, well, my girlfriend at the time, he's like, I thought she was saying, can Derek fight? Can Derek fight? So I was trying to be like, hell yeah. But she was telling him and he didn't understand. I was like, dude, that, that, that shit was crazy as hell, man. <laughs> your boy was blowing you up. And she thought he was a terrible friend. <laughs> he, he, uh, now he was the ultimate wingman. I was training for an MMA fight, and we were we were doing some sparring. And he was a, he did some boxing, and uh, he was a pretty good boxer. Uh, dude, he let me. He he's like, bro, you, let's intimidate these dudes. Uh, give me a badass black eye. So it was like two days before he let me slap just punch him as hard as I could in the face. He has this big ass black eye. So when we went to the fight, we're in Korea, we go to this little fight and it's a grand prix, bro. You had to fight until you lost. So it was like Ooh. six fights in a day. Well, I knocked this dude out 26 seconds and knocked him out. Boom. With a leg kick freaking, we come up on the next one and we're hitting on the bag, hitting on the bag. And, uh, this, this big old Korean dude, he was a big ass Korean. Like I had the stereotype that, you know, Asians were small. No, they got some big ass dudes. So this dude was sitting there and it was like absolute weight. So there was really no weight class. And uh, he's sitting there and he says, oh, what happened? What happened to my friend? And he's like, this dude right here, knock me out, bro. Knock me out the other day. I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, the, yeah. hey, he was wingman times a thousand, bro. He was always down. That's badass, man. Yeah, I ended up uh I ended up cracking that dude's rib and breaking his orbital bone. And uh after the fight he was like, Americans hit so hard, Americans hit so hard. <laughs> and he was and, and uh, my and my buddy was like, Hell yeah, bro, look at my face. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Fucking crazy yeah. ass, man. Hell yeah, but I appreciate it, man. Maybe we can do it another time. Uh Oh, uh, thanks for inviting me. And uh, y'all, where are y'all out at? Y'all are in Angelo, right? Yeah, we are. We're we're down here in Angelo, but we're we're taking off next week. We're we're moving to Florida, man. So oh, I didn't want to come see you, anyways, bro. You ain't even moving. You're lying. You're like, you gotta <laughs> tell us where we're moving. Six days, we'll be out of yeah, here. Yeah, six more days, and we're leaving, man. PMO got y'all and everything. Y'all are all you moved know, out, or yeah, no. I mean, we're done. Like we we're just waiting, basically. Like the kids finish up school next uh, next Thursday, and then after that, we're out. We're uh, where in Florida? Uh, so to uh, you know where Pensacola is at? So we're at Her we're going to Herbert Field. Yeah. You know where Herbert Field is? Okay, Fields nice. Yeah. That's where we're gonna be stationed at. Is is that the uh, man? Is that the base uh that got destroyed by the hurricane? Which one was that? Nah, one? that's the other one down Tindall. the road, Tyndall. It's like did uh, they rebuild it? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's fully rebuilt, but they were... (laughs) They made it functional again, but, like, Uh, they had, uh, like, fifth-gen fighters out there, and they had to move them. They never brought them back, so it's it's basically just, like, a shitty little base now. Yeah, I thought they had aircraft flying in and out. Y'all excited to go out there, though? Dude, we can't wait, You excited to go out to Florida? Dude, we are ready. Yeah, I mean that's a big change from Angelo going from Angelo. Well, well, you know, well we were out yo, there. Yo, what you got? Twisted root over there. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, man! Twisted root. We're actually going there tonight to go eat. That's uh, my spot when I go to Angelo. We go to Twisted root. Oh, it's so fucking good, man. The the burgers just, there yeah, are I mean, amazing. They just, yeah. But they need to clean them tables, bro. Let them know. The outside <laughs> tables are leaving dirty as shit. Yeah, they didn't do nothing else but cook there, man. And it takes them like fucking hours to make a burger, but it's good as shit. It, it does. It, it is good. Uh, I uh, They opened one up here. I know I said I was going to go, my bad. But they opened one up over here. Uh, and it's uh, we went there, and they had no buns. I was like, okay, what the fuck? And then we went there. They had no fries. And then uh, we went there again, and there was another thing. And I, I left them a dirty review, bro. That's what I do. Ooh. Three strikes, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. We'll we'll wrap this one yep. up. But but uh dude, thanks for joining the podcast and being out here. It was fun as shit. Uh we'll do it again, man, if you get a chance. Uh, if you're interested, we'll we'll hop on here yeah. again. And I know you've got a shitload of stories, man. Like we only cracked into a few of them, but uh I almost posted our uh our banana chopping video. Remember that one at Beast? No. You were holding the you were holding the banana and I chopped it in half, clean cut. You said I couldn't do it. <laughs> That's that's because I pre-cut it for you, man. No, nah, you're a lying ass fool, bro. <laughs> that was, that's my that's my hidden talent is I can chop bananas up. <laughs> we talked about bananas a lot. Thanks, Ric Flair. <laughs> no, post, no, post not Ric Flair. Macho it. man, macho man, <laughs> fucking macho man. All right, hey, oh, you know what I was gonna ask you? Um, uh, send me that uh that presentation that you made, man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Oh, you're. What are you? What you? What are you gonna do? And uh, well, I mean, you could use it anywhere. Yeah. You yeah, can, yeah. I'll definitely send it to you. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's. I, I think you'll like it. 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 I never had. I never had a class where they said it was bad. And and uh, you know, I didn't. It, it's a good one. So you'll like it. I'll yeah. send it to you. Send me. Uh, text me your email, and I'll send it to you today. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hit you up. But all right. Cool. We'll we'll wrap this up, and then uh, I'll text you after this. But uh, All right, thanks for being on here, man. Huh? Yeah, thank you. All right, all right later. Yep, later. Thank you all for listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at www.villehousepodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter so you can stay up to date on all the episodes that come out and the blog post that I put out. Um, also, like the Facebook page. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Please give us a review on there, preferably a five-star review, as it helps us to continue to grow the podcast. Other than that, I have nothing else for you, babes. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scouts. We'll see you all next week. Later.